0: Hello and welcome to this special episode, which we're calling Hecate and the holidays. So today we are going to be discussing everything from how we celebrate the winter solstice and bring Hecate uh, into all of this to navigating the holidays with families how not to get overwhelmed. We might even talk about some Hecate's horde style folk tale monsters. And of course, we'll bring the Christmas witches like La Bafana and even perhaps that great spirit of winter, the Kaliak, will come and join us. So I'm joined by a super special guest, one of my favorite Fellow Canadian Hecateans, Jessica, who is a curriculum guide in Covina. She uh, helps to educate others through different things, um, teaching on panels and helping with curriculum development. Uh, She's an amazing practitioner of natural magic and art. So she often co-leads our crafting circles and her special focus is the key of medella which means healing and she is just creating amazing content on different expressions of the sacred feminine with an emphasis on a different color every month which i just i love this i love anything to do with like properties of colors she is also in her adopted country of Australia, um, a well-established pranic healer. So Jess, before we do our opening ritual, I thought maybe you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and what the heck is a pranic healer?
1: That's a great question. Thank you. <laughs> um I'm really happy to be here with you today. And um what is a pranic healer? So I've been doing that for over 20 years. It's a type of energy healing that um, helps to remove stress and diseased energy from the energy body and replenish with fresh energy. And in that process, it speeds up the body's natural ability to heal itself. Um, And we do a lot of meditation um, and a lot of connecting to the energies from the earth and the air, particularly. That sounds so fascinating maybe we, maybe
0: you'll come back sometime and we can talk about that more for like a whole episode energetic healing and like you said using the natural elements that's a big part of my personal practice not only for myself but for when i send healing to others either remotely or if i'm doing healing work on someone in person um connecting with the elements to direct and channel healing energies is something that I've been doing for a long time. So sounds very interesting. Um, As always, we begin with our threefold ritual, our triformis ritual, which is an epithet of Hecate, that means she of three formed. So we begin. And if you have a candle, I invite you to light your candle now. Um, And if you don't, you are welcome to use your hands. So we always go counterclockwise left-handed to release, banish and cleanse the space. So we're just banishing the holiday blues, banishing holiday stress, banishing any kind of perfectionism about the holidays, banishing feeling like we should do things that we don't want to do. And so now let's switch hands and circle us together in protection and connection so we are making this circle uh, for all of us who perhaps have felt othered by mainstream holiday celebrations can't really find our place in popular christmas popular christmas Um, and we're all coming together to see that we are indeed not alone that there are many who perhaps have a hard time with the holidays and we thought that putting hecate in the holidays might make us feel a little bit better so i have our invocation ready to read um, this is the winter solstice prayer to hecate hail hecate Catonia, queen of the underworld who heard persephone when no one else did hail hecate Propolos, queen of the middle world who guided persephone back to the earth creating the seasons. Hail Hecate Soterra, queen of the upper world. Return to us as the wheel of the year turns. We honor you on the darkest day of the year. We honor you as the one who returns the sun. We honor you on the winter solstice. As you guided Persephone, deliver us from the darkness hail hecate mm-hmm. i wrote that i wrote that so long ago sometimes when i like run around you know like imagine me if this was a physical library instead of my computer i feel like oh look what i found in the back shelf uh, so that's definitely one from a long time ago so hecate and the holidays so i I'm wearing what I would typically wear so if you're watching this instead of listening. um, I'm wearing like a black hat like a black toque with my rhinestone hoops kind of a lacy shirt um, and then a scarf. So right from the get go if I were to go to like a more mainstream holiday party. And I showed up like this like I don't own one of those Christmas sweaters. I don't own anything Christmassy that operates on batteries. I remember I went to a Christmas party a few years ago and they uh, tried to put those like necklaces, you know, those battery operated necklaces and things on me. And I was just like, that's not me, (laughs) not who I am. I'm here for your holiday party. I don't like parties and I have a hard time with whatever this is, um, you know, like this, 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 the whole like Christmas thing with the sweaters and the booze and the, this, and then there's the whole like strangely hyper Christian things that go on. And then there's like all of this crazy consumerism that has zilch to do with what I find is a really beautiful story, which is you know the story um, to the, I think the, I think it's in different books of the New Testament, but the version of the Christmas story that I like the best is from the book of Luke in the New Testament. Um, and you know it's a really beautiful story about Mary who was was a core, like Persephone, she was a maiden. Who was called by God to do some crazy things like our Persephone um, and then followed, you know, like the, the will of God and did all these things and brought the son of God, like brought the light back into the world through the birth of Jesus. And then of course, like the shepherds came and then the magicians came. And Jesus grew up to be kind of like this healer, um, feminist, queer, magician guy. So I don't have any problems with the story of Jesus, as you know, like in different versions of the Bible. And I certainly really have an interest in Mary. I would say, like, when I was a kid, Jessica. I don't think you know this about me as good as we know each other. I don't think you know this about me when I was really little. I went to Catholic kindergarten and became enamored with Mary because I had never. So wow. my family went to the Pentecostal church. There was no Mary in the Pentecostal church. Like you rolled her out for the Christmas pageant. You know what I mean? Like she's like, I get to put Jesus in the manger, and that's the end of what I do for the whole Pentecostal church. Um and then when i discovered the catholics and their mary and this statue of mary that was like my first exposure to the sacred feminine um so mm-hmm. mary and i go way back and i'm not like you know and i think it's kind of a cool story about the whole nativity and the and it reminds me of course like i mean you know this like the persephone myth the isis horus osiris business like this story was not a new story Uh, when it was first told and like what the story has come to mean is it's really like it can be really beautiful and wonderful but there's so many ways this is used like to perpetuate othering perpetuate like making people feel shameful perpetuate all the things that there is none of these things in that story it's just what Gets done to the story by people which is really, really heartbreaking, I think, and I think a lot of us have a lot of like I know me personally. I had so much trauma because of being raised in the Pentecostal church like I wanted nothing to do with Christmas. I wanted nothing to do with Jesus, or even Mary when I was like this is like 30 years ago. Um, But since then, you know i've kind of gotten over all of that. And I do find beauty in the story of the nativity. It's a beautiful story. Um, But I do kind of see it just like it's a story. And, And then I guess that just makes me more like kind of on the margins because, you know, people who might literally believe it or, you know, like put a lot of credence in it or kind of almost weaponize it, against anybody who doesn't believe the story, you know, like, there's all this stuff around Christmas. And I always do end up feeling very othered, um, whether for my own family, who are still Christians to this day, or um, just a lot of like, my friends. And even for me, if I'm being completely 100% honest, like even in the, the pagan community, sometimes like not so much now because of like online is everything but like back in the day um you know like these wonderful pagan friends of mine for me and my love of like well i'll wear all black and you know like and i just don't do the kind of more I don't even know what the word is for it you know like I will always be like I am a Hecatean to my core you know I want what the deeper darkest mystery parts of this and not necessarily like what is more superficial that sounds like I'm insulting I'm not insulting I'm just saying like I want the I want I want to have the holidays in Hecate's cave
1: yes <laughs> Yeah, you want the dark time of the year in Hecate's Cave. Yes. Makes
0: sense. Yes. I come out to do a winter solstice sunrise ritual because that's always my practice. Um, but I love the longest night of the year. But I think like for me, like wanting to run into Hecate's Cave for the holidays, it's a lot because it's just so much. Like and we just wanna like retreat into that dark, wet womb where we can be with our herbs and our candles and our cards and feel like we are in our safe space as opposed to what can feel like excessively weird. Um, so I think absolutely the holidays can yeah. be really, really overwhelming and we can need to retreat. And this is definitely the temple of good enough here at Keeping Your Keys and Covina, you are good, you are enough and take really good care of yourself and do what you need to do um to navigate the holidays and like learn to say no I think Hecate is like a goddess of boundaries <laughs> both in the sense like there's some ancient you know like her her um statues were put like on the periphery and at crossroads and whatnot to kind of watch over things so there is like some kind of historical origin to this but the modern sense of boundaries I don't know okay
1: let's talk holiday boundaries you got story oh, um, yeah, I a few years ago, um, it was Christmas morning, and we were meant to go to my in-laws, um, and there was a lot of stress around seeing them, a lot of stress around going there, and in my own personal life, I had been really busy with work uh, that year, and just a whole lot of personal stuff. And by the time Christmas came, you know, the energy, it kind of builds like that stress energy, the excitement of Christmas, but then also the stress energy builds. You just feel it in the atmosphere. You know, you can't even go out um, to a mall or anywhere without there being hordes of people. And, um, you know, so anyways, I had a panic attack on Christmas morning and it was quite severe. And, um, you know, I just said to my partner, I can't go like I, I can't. I'm a mess. I need to stay home today and of course he was he was very respectful of that and um even though we were sad at canceling um you know we we canceled and that really was the start of me learning to have really good boundaries around the holidays and um I don't think my in-laws really understood why we canceled even though I tried to explain which made it more difficult but that's okay because I did what I had to do. You know, I just couldn't go that day. Um, and now when we do have Christmas stuff, um, I'm very particular about exactly what we're going to do, how far we're going to go, how long we're going to stay. You know, I'll put all those into place uh, ahead of time. So we'll have a discussion like, okay, this many hours. And if I need to leave early, I'll give you the signal. You know, there's a yep. signal. Um So then we can manage it better that way. So that might be something to think about, you know, putting in that plan into place if you know it's going to be hard for you to go somewhere during Christmas. I think that I'm a big proponent. Like we have
0: plans like that and we've done it. Like when we go around my family or if we used to go to social gatherings or whatever, like I would set specific intentions as well about what I would Mm. talk about, what I wouldn't talk about, what I would respond to, what I wouldn't respond to, you know, and just kind of seeing like those boundaries almost like as an incantation, like you've got your set of intentions and this is your magic to get through this family gathering or a holiday work party or whatever it is. Like just to see that, like that is your incantation that will see you through this. So setting those really firm boundaries. Um, And, you know, I love how you said, like the time that you're leaving, like, yes, I can yeah. go to this, um, and we can go from like seven to 9.
1: p.m. Yeah, absolutely. It's a really, it's like, um, putting up your magic circle, those boundaries, like you say, you know, it's, um, it's so powerful because when you can manage that time and, and those expectations you have on yourself, um, you know, then you can kind of control the energy of, of it. And, in doing that you can actually have the space to have a nice time you know like if you know you're only going to stay so many hours and you're going to exert so much energy in that time with certain family members you can kind of relax into it because you know it's going to end at a good time for you <laughs> right i think you know this what something that's kind of
0: percolating to the surface that i think people might be interested in hearing about is like if you are going to a family situation or some kind of other social gathering where they might ask you questions about like your spirituality or um you know like your witchiness um Mm. and like having boundaries about that because i don't know have you ever like that's a question that i always feel like people are actually afraid to ask me um when I'm in a place, you know, like they'll sometimes make sly remarks, like, are you going to do a spell for that? Um, and I'll be like, like, I'm not going to waste my time. Sorry. Um, so I think that's like, how do you navigate that? And I would say like, when it comes to the holidays, like it's not the time for Doing things that are really risky, that feel unsafe for you. Yeah. Because it's already so much, right? So if you've got to go and do family things or work things or social things, and it's feeling like a lot, adding to that the expectation that you are somehow obligated to tell anybody about anything about yourself, like you're not. Um, you know, Hecate is a goddess of boundaries, so, you know, set that boundary, like, I don't need to self-disclose here, which yes. I think is such, that's been such a saving grace for me, like, I don't own the, owe these people anything, like, there is a place where I feel safe and nourished, and that's where I let out more of me. Mm-hmm. I don't need to to do that in this space where people might be really critical or really curious or this bizarre thing that happens to me sometimes in social situations or people are kind of like they're interested. It's almost like I don't know how to even I can never think of what to call this. It's like you're the witch in the room and isn't that cool? Like you're so cool. So it's almost like the opposite of being criticized. It's like you're being pedestalized as being like this cool creature instead of just being like a person at a place doing a thing. Um, So there is, I do have that episode called being the witch in the room that gets more into all of this business. If you're wondering about how you're going to navigate all of this, like if you've had changes in the past year, maybe this is you're just discovering Hecate and witchcraft and you know you're not sure how this is going to go over I always say just you know keep yourself safe and when it's already a super stress zone and you're trying to stay in your magic circle um don't add more to it by thinking that you owe other people like anything about yourself I am okay really good. it's good so We are committed. So you and I and the kind of the rest of the Covina team, we have been kind of jokingly, but also super seriously, doing this kind of stealth project for the last month or so, uh, which we called mission, putting Mary back in Merry Christmas. And you have been doing some amazing research and in Covina, you've developed a lesson on the Black Madonna. And I know you've been doing a deep dive into fleshing out Mary and making her like giving her life and vitality um, kind of like yanking her off the the uh, stained glass window and bringing her some like vivifying her in a sense. And you know, it's interesting because, of course, Hecate has nothing to do with the Jesus story. Um, But for me, as someone who really seeks to reclaim all aspects of the sacred feminine and kind of like restore it and redeem it in some cases, like the way Hecate was vilified, I love learning about any expressions of the divine feminine. Like any goddess really always captures my attention. So I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about your project of putting Mary back in Merry Christmas.
1: Yeah. Um, so I, I grew up with no religion. Um, and in a lot of ways, that was really lucky because I was given the freedom to kind of explore, you know, explore the world of spirituality and um, different gods and paths. Um I did find Mary through one of my pranic healing teachers. She used to be a mother superior before oh. she went to energy healing and pranic healing. And so she has a lot of um, Christian teachings that, um, you know, that she can get into the mysteries of, and it was through her that I found first found mother Mary and found kind of like a, a connection in the energy. I didn't know why I was drawn to mother Mary, um, but there was something, I could just feel something there. Like, you know, when I went, I'd go into like a Catholic church and I just, you'd see a statue and there'd be something coming to me from the energy of her. Um, And so I decided to explore this recently in Covina by studying the black Madonnas, which are a fascinating phenomenon. Um, You know, they're, they're basically mother Mary and baby Jesus and they have black or brown skin. And first off, this should not be surprising. This should not be a big serious (laughs) phenomenon. (laughs) because mary would have had dark skin
0: (laughs) right right Um, the whitewashing of christmas and everything else absolutely
1: it's shocking the um, statues they've actually like whitewashed the statues to try to make them not as dark it's a whole other thing um So there's this really beautiful lineage, you know, of the great mother goddess and her energy. And when you study the Black Madonnas, you see that the shrines and the churches that were built to honor them are often on places that used to be temples to other goddesses like Persephone um, and and Venus and Venus. there's just such a history of that continuation of the energy of the great mother. And, you know, that energy had to go somewhere like the um, people you, you have to remember too. you know, 2000 years ago, we were much more rural, you know, we lived in the countryside much more than in cities. And so when you change suddenly the religions, it doesn't change overnight. And so that energy continues and, you know, the Black Madonnas, oh, they're amazing. They each have their own. And I I like to call them the Black Madonnas with an S because there's heaps of them and they each have their own incredible story and history and, um, you know, with protecting people you know, there's tales of the Black Madonnas preventing um, different armies from coming into places, um, protecting children from being, you know, taken. There's a story of one uh, Black Madonna who, she protected kids that were taken by the Nazis. Um, I mean, they're really beautiful stories. And of healing, you know, so much, the Black Madonna in Chestahova when you go there apparently the walls are filled of like crutches and you know all these things that people have given up because they were healed when they went there so there's just all these mysteries and there's so many threads so many exciting threads when it comes to the black madonnas there's these you know tales that link up with the knights templar with the camino de santiago um you know and all the the um, pilgrimage trails Um, so they're just fascinating and I love, I love how they've carried the energy of the dark mother and, you know, in some ways they're just so much more authentic than the white Mary, right? Like the white Mary that's like
0: flattened literally into those stained glass windows where, you know, she's pale, she's passive. Um, and so this is like a, a Mary that is really connected to, like you said, the great mother. And having like those those darker aspects both in terms of skin tone which is more historically accurate but also in terms of like the modern use of the word dark goddess or dark mother which is often used to describe like hecate and other goddesses um that are the kind of the power of creation and
1: destruction absolutely absolutely many of these um black madonnas they they sit in the crypts and they have like tales of being called you know the our lady of the underworld um which we don't get anymore right because mary white mary is so one-dimensional in some ways um yeah there's just so much more to them and i think you told
0: me a really interesting story like about one of these black madonnas these ladies of the underworld that they kept her in a like you said that you kept, they
1: kept her in a crypt? Yeah.
0: So yeah, they, they,
1: they hid her away from everybody? Is that what they did? Oh, there's been all kinds of stuff. There's been ones that were kept in crypts where people could go and visit. There's been ones that were hidden away. There's um, ones that were hidden in caves. Um, and to prevent people from destroying them. There's Black Madonnas who've been burned at the stake. There's Black Madonnas who were held for ransom. I mean, like they have stories like people would, you know, like it's it's incredible, um, the history of the Black Madonnas. I think that's
0: interesting how you said, like, they were even like burned at the stake and it's all of this. Like, I mean, I know I don't want to insult anyone who finds like the more churchy, Catholic churchy popular version of Mary to be really meaningful because that's entirely possible. Um, And at the same time, it's like exploring how, I guess, institutionally in a lot of instances, the Catholic church really pushed the black Madonna or the darker aspects of Mary, like literally like put her in the basement, put her in the cave or burnt her at the stake. Um, You know, in their efforts, To have this really kind of passive version of Mary that wasn't at all connected to like the wildness the earthiness of the great mother, like you said, like many of these black Madonna shrines are on sites uh, where there were temples to older goddesses so there's like a lineage there, and I feel like you said. You know the great mother with her powers of creation and destruction, like she always kind of finds a way. um, And people will always be drawn to her, even like when the institution of the church or the state is trying to really, you know, make the sacred feminine passive and one dimensional, like, so I just find this whole history really interesting. And also like how being burned at the stake it was associated with magic and witchcraft um which is so fascinating right so there's and there's all i mean there's so much that we're not able to get into about the black madonna today but if you're interested you can you can look that up and we knew we wanted to talk for a little bit about some witchy aspects of the holidays um so yule or the winter solstice for me i always do a sunrise ritual we eat a big meal um my sons are grown now so there's not so much with the presents and the fun kind of stuff around christmas you're in australia yeah so it's the opposite tell us what you do in australia for the winter solstice
1: um okay so for so me right you now
0: went- you're gonna have this summer solstice this week so why don't you clear that up for us what's gonna happen
1: this week okay <laughs> Yeah, so first of all, I'm in Australia. So we're the exact opposite. Um, We have the summer solstice coming up. It's, you know, it's light out by like, well, well before 6am. The days are long. It's, it's fantastic. You know, there's so much light. Um, I will be getting up, I like to get up really early on the solstice days, um, whether it's winter or summer, and just kind of watch the sun come up. Um, and I light a candle. I'll, I'll go outside probably cause it's nice and warm here now, finally. Um, and I'll just sit and I will, I like to really take in the moment, like just feel it in my body, you know, take in the energy of this really incredible moment in the change of the seasons, um, that liminal space, you know, where everything just that's that switch of it changing and and I like to say that when it's summer solstice it's the return of the darkness so I can celebrate the return of the darkness and lean into the days slowly getting uh shorter um in winter solstice I do very much the same thing I get up um before sunrise and I light a candle and if it's you know if it's okay I can go outside if it's not too cold um or, you know, if, if it's not available to me, I can stay inside with my candle and just be aware as, as the sun comes up, you know, of the energy and that shift in the change from the, um, you know, the dark, dark, dark time to the light coming back, you know, and I like to sort of celebrate like this, I like to feel that energy of that that spark of light, but within myself, you know, I'll do a little meditation, and I'll just feel that spark of light returning, um, not only to the world, but to myself as well. So
0: that's interesting, like how you navigate the fact that at like most of us are talking about the winter solstice, and it's the darkest night, you completely are having the opposite experience. Mm -hmm. It's it's so interesting Um, and you know, like my mind is just kind of like you can't have Christmas like in the summer, Um, though we've had Christmas as a family down south before, but it's just so fascinating to me. I don't know. I always get so fascinated by the wheel of the year and by the seasons and how things are so different in different parts of the planet, like to me, that is like Anima Mundi, the soul of the world kind of aspect of Hecate, like how beautiful our world is, like, you know, we were talking a lot about how the holidays, wherever you are, can be stressful because of social demands or family demands or consumerism, like there's so much that can go on. So if you can find, whether you're down under and it's the summer solstice, or if you're up here in the northern hemisphere and it's the winter solstice, I think just being able to find a little piece of quiet. You know what I mean? That you can just connect to the seasons. Um and can and just feel that like the awe of the seasonal shifts, you know, and, and disconnect from all that other business. So we did want to mention a little bit about some of our beloved Christmas witches, like La Bafana, the the Italian. Christmas witch who brings presents and is quite lovely but then there's like the scary ones who eat children as well like Grilla I think we've got the Covina librarian here with us behind the scenes today I think Grilla I've got Grilla right Cal we're called our Covina librarian aka the Kaliak herself is here with us Grilla hello Um, hi so it's Grilla did I say that right it is um, actually, um, you know what? I got lost
1: uh, looking at the Yule Cat, the scary monster Yule Oh, you're cat. looking at the
0: Yule Cat? <laughs> <laughs> well, we think it's Grilla. Okay, Frau Holly mm-hmm. from Germany. We know about Frau Holly. So there are lots of Christmas witches that you can study. And then there's all the the amazing monsters like
1: Krampus. Jessica, are you familiar with the Krampus? Absolutely. I love I love the look of the the compass and the, the dances, you know how they do the mm-hmm. dances in some of the European countries. It's so it's so neat. I just love it.
0: So, you know, like, and that puts me to mind of like Hecate's Horde, which is like this mm-hmm. idea that all the restless spirits, um, some good, some quite nefarious. Um, are watched over by Hecate. So like the Krampus and what are you talking about? Librarian, librarian and <laughs> cats that eat people? Yes. The um the Yule cat. And that um it does. It's um a lot of them just tend to be um
1: Icelandic. And um, you know, they usually you'll have Yule lads with the Ogre Escorilla. You'll have the Yule cat, which is a strange
0: spirit that shows that shows up and eats children <laughs> which you know it's like the um what is it the impusai that they were historically associated they were mythological creatures spirits who were like restless women who ate children that were very mm-hmm. much associated with hecate so it's like in that same kind of vein um mm-hmm. and then like there's also like you said about the black madonna's So for Hecate, one of her roles was Chorotrophus protection of children. So I find it interesting, like, that in traditional folklore around the holidays, you know, that was probably descended from like much older, like pre-Christian stories, um, that there's this idea of like, we're going to protect children and give children gifts and bless them, or eat them. (laughs) <laughs> right, which is, you know, it, it's kind of funny, but it also gets to the whole idea of, I guess that, you know, like the dark mother, she's creatrix, she's a destruction. So, yes, she can be the protector of children, Korotrophus, and at the same time, she's in charge of these really scary spirits who eat children, Um, the Mpusai were their names. In terms of hecate but there's just you know the similar stories cross cultures and times um, this whole idea of the great mother figure who is all of these things and more so i think it's probably time to wrap things up with a poem i wrote many years ago when my children were younger so whether you have children in your house or pets or you're alone this is a poem i wrote and i hope this poem brings you some comfort and remind you that although we did mention going out to look at the sun um, on the solstice that if you are in the northern hemisphere finding that comfort in the longest night of the year that rich darkness and the excitement of having, maybe you have a tree up or, and just finding the magic in this season. So I hope this poem reminds you of a little bit of the absolute magic, whether you celebrate Yule, the winter solstice, Christmas, whatever you celebrate, it's all good. You do what is beautiful and nourishing to you. Um, and even if you decide that you don't want any of it, that's perfectly acceptable too. So here's my poem as offering. To the moon on the longest night of the year. My lovelies are safely in dreamland. Their faces, the sweetest I know, are tucked chin deep in blankets. Visions of feasts and gifts floating above, watched over by kindred spirits perhaps even a jolly old elf flies on the wind there is magic in this night the longest one of the year joyfully I creep with arms laden to the candlelit tree placing these tokens with great care as if boxes could contain my heart there are no words left to say I only have a voice for the moon Who bids me come my boots crunch on the fresh snow my breath is sacred smoke i speak to the moon offering my voice to the mystery of this night hail moon she brushes aside the clouds to better see me dear moon so bright keep us safe on this darkest night let no sadness find harbor here, bring happiness to those I hold dear. Now, moon, I must take my leave. My bed awaits and my eyes are weary. Watch over us and remain forever near me. So blessings to you on the winter solstice. Happy holidays, however you celebrate it.
1: And uh, blessings to you on the summer solstice, Jessica. Thank you. I will have a fabulous time. Blessings to you on the winter solstice. All right. Thanks again. Thanks for watching, everyone. Or listening.
0: And if you are listening or watching to this right after we release it, just know that I am going to be taking a little bit of time off over the holidays. And I'll be back with new episodes the first week of January. Hail Hecate, everyone!